0: The frequencies are open. Well, welcome to the Evil Potato Alliance.
1: the historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show.
2: Alright y'all, uh, strap in because this is going to be uh, a significantly lengthy uh, recap. I'm going to try to cut it down and keep it short, but there's, there's like a lot, a lot of shit went down. Alright, so uh This one starts off with a flashback from five years ago with uh, Picard is uh, inspiring a group of youngins in a bar. And, you know, they they come over and then we heard about you, Picard, and you're great. And he's like, Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you some stories. All right. So back up on uh, the present on the bridge of the Titan.
1: Pull power from other systems. There's nothing to pull from, sir. We're down to 9%. The more systems we use, the faster it depletes.
2: All right. So Rocker goes in to talk to uh, Jean Luc. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry, man, I lost my head. But also, you should uh, make peace with uh, whatever God you hold dear, and also with your boy. Like, you know, I lost my son, and like, this is how the loss has affected me and Deanna. I shut off my emotions, and she's an empath, and she wasn't having that. She couldn't live with me feeling nothing,
0: and neither could I.
2: Me, me and her are not okay right now. Uh, elsewhere on the ship, Seven is being very quiet because she is uh, hunting uh, founders. Uh, she finds the body of the transporter guy, and he's been dead for a while. And so she goes to uh, tell Riker.
0: I'm not saying do nothing. I'm saying keep it quiet. All
2: right, in sickbay, Beverly is counting down, and she has cracked the code on the power surges, uh, but she just don't feel like Sharon, which seems pretty on brand this season, but whatever, uh, Beverly. So when Picard asks... Do you think you could give me a moment or two you know, it's not really interrupting anything. She, she ain't saying that. All right. So seven enlist the aid of uh, everyone's favorite uh, a-hole, Shaw.
1: As much as it pains me, nobody knows this ship better than you.
2: So uh, Picard and uh, Junior uh, go to the holodeck version of Ten Forward, but not the TNG Ten Forward. It's the other, the one from Picard.
3: I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room, the hair.
2: Yeah, I guess I was thinking of a different elephant, but that's fine. It turns out this room. Uh, is going to contain several elephants. So Picard wanted to talk about something real and Jack was just deflected and it's not that Picard wasn't interested but he knew that it was some bullshit because the music came up and started playing him out like he was at the awards during his speech too long.
1: Turns out it's, it's mostly muscle and really sensitive so while I'm touching it
2: Alright, about... so cut to Shaw and Seven and he's telling her everything that you need to know about Chainlinds but you was, was afraid to ask. They're good people. And he gives her a great example. You and I got off on the wrong foot. I underestimated you. You have great instincts. You are a natural leader. Make a great captain one day. Which is something I totally would say.
3: If you were a changeling and not just a dick.
2: Alright, but there's 500 people on board and they can't ask everybody, uh, you know, the name of their first pet in the street they grew up on. So they come up with a plan to lure a shifty, uh, mcshift face out of hiding. Bait them steal their pot. I'm assuming you're not referring to cannabis. Sadly, no. <laughs> I like that dude. But what he means is like the little bucket that uh, change have to regenerate into. Sometimes they leave behind like a goo. You get a sample of that. You upload it to the computer. You have the ship scanned for that son of a bitch. All right, I will admit, at this moment uh, in the story, I was uh, confused a little bit. Because, like, all right, so the plan was to find the goo and scan the ship for to match the DNA that's in the pot. But also, but or was the plan to steal the pot and then draw uh, the changeling out of hiding? Because I feel like either way would have worked. I just wasn't clear on which one they meant to do. But I guess it didn't really matter since Seven knew what he meant. So she went off and she did the thing, and then she finds his stash, the bucket. All right. So Batic uses a knife to cut off her hand, which turns into changeling goo, which leads me to believe that Batic is a changeling. So she drops the, her hand into this big middle bowl which is also a, uh, a Wi-Fi hotspot because her once-in-future hand floats up and it, and it turns into a drippy face of somebody. And there's some, like, Dark Emperor uh, Snoke, Snoke Palpatine vibes. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, but uh, little Timmy fell in the gravity well. And he's like, okay, so go get him. And she's like... That's not possible with my ship's payload. But he is not trying to hear it.
3: It is suicide to refuse. Deliver the asset. All else is expendable. Your ship...
2: Your people. You. And that is the end of that conversation. So she she dumps her uh, super weapon like like trash on the highway and she goes right after him on the Titan. Uh, a bunch of crew come onto the holodeck uh, bar where Picard is like, "Sure, come on in." And after that, Jack is like, "I get that you you
3: think that I need this, but I don't."
2: Hmm. It's almost uh, as if Jack spending time with Picard and then seeing Picard welcome his "quote unquote" starfeet family was it was a trigger in some way. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's nothing. Anyway, uh, Picard says, "I think we all need connection, don't we?" And then Jack sort of opens up a little bit. I
3: grew up mostly on my own.
2: I'm a I'm a loner, body body, a, a rebel.
3: So if you think that this is about a moment that I need, I think maybe I do.
2: Meanwhile, on a CSI uh, residue uh, seven is walking with the bucket and trying to get biochemistry to scan it, but uh, that shit is shut down like everybody, like every everything else on the ship because they tried to conserve power, which which kind of thwarts the the scan the bucket plan, but it works out great for the bucket as bait plan because the changeling attacks and the, and it shoots the bucket and the bucket is vaporized, so no goop for you. And then the changeling turns into its uh, bacon liquid form and escapes through the vent. All right, so back in the bar, uh, Jack and Picard are talking, and you know what? I don't want to actually keep saying Jack and Picard. And Picard and Jack every time I was gonna call him um, Jack Luke, Jack Luke, Jack Luke, like like Brangelina. Nah, they they broke up. Like Kim Kimye. Nah, they broke up. Anyway, Jack Luke or, or no man. That, no, I'm gonna say Jack. Jack and Picard. They they talking and they bring up another elephant.
0: Naming me after her first husband. I would have named you the same.
2: Anyway, he tells the story of the uh, how he and the original Jack Crusher was, had to navigate a shuttle blind.
0: Blind, powerless, and running out of air.
2: Y'all gonna want to hold on to that story, because it's, it's gonna be relevant. But this nigh-tender moment is interrupted by yet another elephant in that self-same room. The heroic tale of survival. Shaw. Namely, why do Shaw gotta be a dick all the time?
0: You must have heard about the Battle of Wolf 359. Fifty of us made it down to the life deck. But uh-oh... There's just one life pod, ten seats. The real Borg are still out there, and they have a name for you, Locutus of Borg. I understand. Kavira, Arch. At some point, asshole became a substitute for charm.
2: I mean, at least he owns it. So Beverly finds them in the hallway, uh, Jack and Picard, and she finally lets them know what she figured out about the energy surges. This nebula
1: is a womb, and we are swimming in its amniotic fluid.
2: And they're okay, so like when the water breaks, we're going to die like the circle of life. But Jack says, okay, but what if the water breaks and we just surf on it? If we knew when those waves were coming, maybe we could plug into them, get a little extra juice, and then we could hitch a ride on it. So the three of them take the idea to Riker. We match the speed with the wave, use the energy drawn from it, and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. To guard your daddy. We hightail it out the nebula, away from the gravity well, away from that ship out there, and away from our new friends, the space babies. Riker is not on board with this. He lists a whole lot of good reasons why this won't work, but they count all the good reasons. And he's like, I cannot choose certain death. I mean, okay, it kind of sounds like you are choosing certain death, but Beverly pulls out the conversation ace in the hole, Deanna.
3: Deanna would say it's about trust.
2: Look where we are, here, all of us, in this moment.
0: If this is the end, let's face it together, doing what we know we do best.
2: So they talk it all through and they make a plan, and then the music swells, they mount up to uh, vacate the premises. Let's get the hell out of here. So Riker uh, goes on the speaker and he's like, All right, crew, we got a batshit crazy plan, and we might die, but it's our only shot and uh since they need to uh hotwire the engines to to utilize the uh space amniotic uh juice they need shaw because uh engineering is busy with everything else and it's an old ship and these kids today don't know nothing nothing about no uh, analog so picard goes to get him and he and uh, he reveals that he also as we know can speak asshole because he's a little bit of an asshole and shaw respects that
0: i need your help despite the fact that you are indeed a dipshit from chicago
2: Nice. And everyone on the bridge is in place to do their thing, except for one person.
1: Seeing as you're the only one here with any real experience flying blind, Admiral. You have
2: the con. So I have on the closed caption, right? And all these years, I thought that uh, when they were saying that, they were saying you have the calm, like you have the command. But it's actually you have the con, like you have control. I guess I don't really know what the con is for, but I do love me some closed captions. So Shaw's in, and he he tells Seven, uh, you know, if I were a change and I would attack me right now. And seven's like, yeah, that's a good point. So it's the bait plan part two, the the, the baiting, uh, cruise control. So uh, Picard says, okay. and then the ship goes limping out the nebula and transferring power from this thing and that thing because they got to get the full power before the wave hits. Down in engineering, the bait plan part two uh, works because the Changeling shows up. Commander, it's me. No, we, no, it ain't. We all know it ain't you. But when, but with, but the tale is when she calls seven. Commander, handsome. And was like, how do you know? Vincent so LaForge always calls me Commander 7, out of respect. So now he might start calling her 7? I don't know, we'll see. Anyway, so now the cells are open, and they're getting up to speed, but here's the asteroids, and Picard and Jack uh, get to recreate that story that Picard's always telling. Jack, call out that positions. And they make it through the asteroid field. All right, so that's the hot wire problem fixed, and that's the asteroid problem uh, resolved. So it looks like everything...
1: Thruster's up to 98%, sir, but there's nothing left to transfer.
2: Oh. Well, in for a penny.
0: Transfer all power from life support.
2: So now they got power, and they're waiting on the last wave, and it's a few seconds late for drama, but it hits, and it looks cool, and they're riding the wave. It's it's charging the batteries, and they're riding the wave, and it's like LaForge, gleam the cube. Cut it! And the crew is on point, and everything is working. Contact the Shrike! Damn if y'all can't catch a f***ing break but Riker like I got this is
1: our tractor beam operational aye sir
2: and he executes the paybacks a bitch maneuver
1: Will did
2: you just throw an asteroid Goddamn right I did the strike is down and Seven and Shaw walk on the bridge and they all bear witness to the miracle of life the
1: nebula is breaking
3: up
2: one person's nebula breaking up is uh, someone else's space squid hatching and it's really beautiful and Riker lets everybody take a moment to take it all in and then he's like we should
1: boldly get the hell out of here
2: so also in this moment uh, there's a shot of Jack looking around the crew and like He's like, maybe I did choose wrong with the loner thing, but he doesn't say it out loud, loud. He says it on his face because he's acting with his face, not the tail. And, and uh, Picard says it also in a
0: voiceover. He just he says it out loud. You're only ever really as good as those around you.
2: And the voiceover is from the scene back in the flashback where uh, Picard is telling stories to the cadets. But at the end of the flashback, you see that Jack was actually there. He wasn't in a crowd. He was not a cadet, but he was kind of hanging back in the bar, And then he asked his question.
3: You went on and on about your crew. Your life in Starfleet did you have a life outside of that about a, a real family
2: and right in that moment in that sentence Picard gives uh it's nothing wrong with the answer but it's also simultaneously the worst possible answer he could give in that particular home
0: Starfleet has been the only family I have ever needed
2: and I think in the present personally I think on the bridge Picard remembers it now and maybe he makes the connection that it was Jack asking the question but it's unclear because it's all it's all Jack Luke acting face like he's acting face and the other they, they both acting faces so it's not clear yet they may they say for sure uh, in an upcoming episode alright so meanwhile um, everybody's epiloguing and, and Riker is talking to Deanna Troy and he knows he's been shut down hit his heart but it's, it's he's, going, he's sorry I'm gonna fix it with you and I think they're going to be okay. And then, okay, so here's the, here's the stinger. So we for the second time, we get Jack having a weird vision with red, veiny branches, and something else is going like an explosion, and a door is opening, and a voice is uh, saying, find me, and we'll be together soon or something. Did I mention how much I love those captions? All right, so the first time, like, he happened, uh, he was getting poisoned by gas, and he was almost unconscious, so, you know, his head was swinging. But this time he was just washing his face. Now, I don't assume that was water. So he starts smacking his head. And he's got medical training, so he knows that just hitting your head ain't the best way to make the vision go away. But goddamn if it didn't work. And he's like, okay, vision's gone. But then he hears, yeah. So that's where they leave it.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of that Star Trek podcast here on the Infinite Potato Alliance Podcast Network. Your one place to go for all of your discussion, theorizing, and other geekosity regarding Star Trek. This week, we are going to be discussing the fourth episode of Season 3 of Star Trek Picard titled No-Win Scenario, written by Terry Metallis and Sean Treta, and directed by the great Jonathan Frakes. Joining me on the podcast we have a we have a scaled down panel uh sean our illustrious leader uh is uh as usual on a bi-weekly break he will likely be uh, rejoining us next week uh neek is taking shore leave on Casperia prime but i have two good guys with me we have john irons john how are you this week i'm doing great how are you i'm doing just wonderfully and I appreciate you asking. And rounding out this three-person panel, we have the always informative and never ever uses bad language, the great Admiral Rick. Rick, how's so, it going?
1: <laughs> it goes well. I, uh, I I I don't know what to do with that.
0: N- n- neither do I. I <laughs> once again, I, I
1: know what I wanted to do with it, and I, I figured everyone would. That's just what you'd expect me to do, so I didn't.
0: <laughs> Um. So, listeners, you've already gotten um, a a wonderful recap of this week's episode uh, at the at the top of this recording. So, uh, we're just going to jump right into the discussion as we always do. Going to start with the general question of what did you think overall, John? Let's start I, with you. What you I, think? Can, oh, oh, can oh, I oh, stop oh, just oh, oh, really yeah. quickly?
1: Um, just before we before we get into the meat of the show, there's there's a couple of things I'd like to acknowledge just real quick um one it's Trisha O'Neill's birthday today she played Captain Rachel Garrett of the Enterprise C one of mm-hmm. my favorite episodes and I to this day would so watch an Enterprise C series starring her um but that that's that's the nice thing the 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 kind of somber thing just uh, worth worth acknowledging is today is, would also have been Anton Yelchin's 35th birthday yeah. so yeah uh, 21 photon torpedo salute to Mr. Yelchin who you know regardless of what you think about the J.J. Abrams movies I think the cast was impeccable and Yelchin's Chekhov was one of the high points of all of the movies and Mm -hmm. his death was tragic and bizarre and so sad and just he's totally worth remembering I think
0: Indeed. And outside of Star Trek as well I've seen a uh, a few of his works, a few of his non Star Trek works, and he he was he was very talented. Yeah, we missed out on a lot of good performances. Thank you for that. And now back onto the fun stuff. John, what did you think of this week's episode of Star Trek: Picard? Overall.
2: Overall, um, I I want to I want to go on several dates with this. I don't I don't know if I would say love. but i want to see where it goes it was (laughs) i very much enjoyed this week's episode like i haven't i think last week i was like i think i feel like this is the best episode of picard now this week i feel like this is the best episode of picard i haven't been this um enamored uh with a new trek series since the first season of discovery i think and I have very much enjoyed most of, you know, the new shows. But I thought this was this was great. This is a great episode, uh, and pretty much every level.
0: Cannot disagree. Um, I, it was. I'll I'll jump in with my uh, broad strokes real quick before we go over to Rick. Um, I I agree with you, John. This was great. I think. Uh. If I had to compare this to last week's episode, um, they're they're very close to being uh, on equal footing as far as what I consider to be the best episode of the season, possibly of this particular series. Um, this one would probably edge out last week um, because of the multiple fantastic performances. Last week, the, the wonderful scene between Patrick Stewart and uh, Gates McFadden as they're discussing for the first time, Jack, uh, they, they did a wonderful job performing in that scene this week. Uh, I think, uh, Frakes might've given the the best performance as Riker that we've ever seen, uh, in his quiet discussion with, uh, Picard at the beginning of the episode and his discussion with Deanna at the end. Um, and with everything that we've had to say about Shaw this season, uh, Todd Stashwick absolutely killed it this week with his performance. I was floored. Now I, we, we've we seen Todd Stashwick all over the place. He shows up in, uh, you know, you know, a series here, a series there. He's very much a, Hey, that guy, it's that guy. Um, on, uh, burn notice. I know he appeared, uh, twice. I think he was on arrow. um, I think you. I think he played Black Mask on an episode of Arrow, but it was a, a a pre-mask Black Mask, just you know the guy who would become Black Mask. He didn't have any like you know prosthetics or or villain face, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was him. And he he always does a great job, but this week, wow, knocked me down. So it was the performances that really set this one apart. Uh, because it was not a very action-heavy episode, it had some, but this was all about the performances, and everyone brought their their best game this week. Rick, what did you think?
1: Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I uh, I will freely admit that I was completely wrong with my theory about Picard being a changeling, and I I say you know, hey, I I, I had my reasons for believing it, and they pretty much eliminated them right away
2: um it was a, it was a good swing it, it yeah. didn't occur to me at all before i heard you say it and then after i was like yeah that 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 tracks we'll see like, that could have very well been the case
0: and i was looking for evidence immediately because of the conversation we had last week mm-hmm. and it, they they made it clear um pretty quickly that your, your theory didn't match up which is fine but yeah it, it, and and it was solid enough for me to look for it this week. Yeah,
1: and and they you know and they didn't tease it. They they made it very clear right away. Um, you know, obviously these things were shot last year, so there was abs. You know, we're we're not looking at a you know Ron Moore uh, BSG. Oh no, the internet's figured us out. We need to change midstream <laughs> situation. Um, so you know, I was I I'm, I'm totally fine with the way they went with it. And you're right. Uh, uh, Shaw absolutely sold me on his wolf three five nine monologue. It was so powerful. Um, it, it, I just i I haven't liked the character. but this week, I was like, all right, the guy's a jerk. He knows he's a jerk, but he's a he's a he's a a real jerk as opposed to just sort of being you know a Jellico cartoon asshole. Um, and I'll we could fight that battle someday maybe <laughs> if anyone out there wants to spar with me about Jellico um I have some issues of course because i I'm, I wouldn't be me if I didn't but overall I think this was the best episode certainly the best episode of this series this season and quite possibly the best episode of Picard so far
0: I like when we all agree on stuff and i <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if um if you guys will will agree with me on uh the first point that I have in my notes and this is something that I noticed early <clears throat> excuse me early in this episode I've noticed it before I don't know why I'm noticing it particularly this week but um we've we've made mention multiple times in the past about how everything is so dark especially on the bridge of the Titan daytime, nighttime, doesn't matter. I have not found that to be the case.
1: I know people are complaining about it all over the place, but I don't think it's particularly dark.
0: It, It occurred to me what is dark about the bridge that bothers me. It's not like, oh, I can't see his face, or I can't see where the people are. It's not like it's a totally blacked out room. But the way they have the lights set up, if someone were to tell me, you know, everyone on the bridge, they wear all black uniforms. I'd be like, yeah, probably. Because I can't make out the colors on almost anyone's uniform. Esmar, okay. Yeah, I if it's Operations Gold, then I can sort of see it. But Riker, LaForge, seven. Anytime they're on the bridge, it just looks nothing but black. We're we're forty percent through the season. And I'm still dying to get some good shots of what people are wearing because I'm, you know, I'm nuts about uniforms. Star Trek uniforms, I should specify. And I want to get a better look at them on the show. And so far I haven't, I don't feel like I have
1: sick. Bay is well lit.
0: That's true. Sick, sick bay, bay, is bay is well lit. lit. So I can see some people in, in blue uniforms. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that the bridge was dimmed this week because they're running at practically no power. I mean, it's it's been nice to see them say, transfer all power and everything else gets dim or shuts off for a change instead of, transfer all power and nothing changes.
0: Yeah. And well, all the lights went out and they said, transfer you know, all power from, from life support because it's the lights that keep us alive. <laughs>
1: well, think about it. You know, LEDs nowadays take practically no juice to run. So, by the twenty fourth century, they probably have some sort of lighting setup that you know sips power with a through an eyedropper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost you know almost incidental to everything else.
0: Um, maybe, maybe all all the ship's lighting runs off of the same independent power source as the holodeck.
1: At least they said it. I have yes. I have said this for years. I will buy anything as long as it's justified in universe,
0: and that's why i get even upset. Have... It doesn't even have to be the most solid or no. Or, as long as they most no. reasonable. As long
1: as it's established that there's a reason for X, I'm like, all right. In this universe, X is true. Therefore, it works. It's when they say X is true and then they do Y and nobody you know says anything. I love the fact that because my wife and I had both just said the ship's running on barely anything and the power and the holodeck still works. And Jack's like, the f-? sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Picard was like it's on a separate power cell I'm like alright that's kind of stupid but you said it so I'm, I'm cool with it they addressed it they didn't just ignore it
0: yeah it was uh, maybe a, a little thin as far as the reasoning it, it runs on its own on, on its own source of power just in case people get really scared when we're about to die yeah. that they want to come someplace to relax Jack made a decent point is that uh, also if they want to Go find a little paradise to sit in while they wait to die. Then, I was I was thinking kind of as Jack was.
3: Eh,
0: seems kind of strange, to strange way to prioritize. But uh, oh well, as long as that's what they give as reasoning, then then fine. Though at the same time, it it seems to me that while it can run on its own independent power source, they were getting. Pretty desperate in their need for for power as they were drifting down into that gravity well they would have taken from that anyway seven get done with
1: some jumper cables
0: <laughs> I, I, I know this is supposed to be set aside for people to use it in in times of of emergency but we really need this power so we're going to take it but really? again that's that's us punching through the reason that they gave to try to find something that makes more sense when it doesn't have to. They gave a reason. They acknowledged it. And I appreciate that at least. Yeah, I would say actually it's one of the things that
2: um, I enjoyed most about this episode. And, you know, um, unfortunately I was not able to watch it a second time and go through and make more detailed notes. Um, But I remember thinking as I was watching this episode, a lot of the wait a minute, what about this? And why this? And how about that? Like, they answered those questions in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, what's up with Shaw? What's going on with uh, Riker? And, and like, major plot things, but also little question things. Like, this, like they brought up the, this was on the last episode, but bringing up uh, Jack's accent. And well, why is there power on the holodeck? And, uh, th- yeah, it was... What's, 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 why is Sean a dick? Why is Sean a dick? Not Sean. Sean's great. (laughs) Why is Sean a dick to everybody? Um, I loved Shaw. And I, I, I've, I've been, I've been a fan of, and no, I don't like the character per se because he's not a likable character. But, he is a consistent character and there is a reason for his character. Like even before we knew what the reason was, like you said, Rick, he's not just, you know, a jerk to be a jerk. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Because like, like I I made the point last episode, like, yeah, he is, he is doing all the right things in the most assholey way possible, but he's still doing all the right things. So it's not that he's bad at his job. He just kind of hates everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all know that guy
1: who's an asshole, and says I'm an asshole and uses that as an excuse to stop being an asshole or to not stop being an asshole he's just like I tell the truth and I'm blunt so I'm going to be a dick to everybody and we're supposed to just accept that as oh that's admirable no you're a jerk but he's a
0: competent one of those I was born without a filter
2: yeah Yeah. right no but he's he's not even and he could have done that he could have been that and that would have been because like you said we know those people um but no, they went one step further. It's like, yeah, I'm a jerk. I know. I'm sorry. He does apologize for it, but he's like, it is how I am. Like, yeah. he, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to change. Yeah, he wasn't quite to the point of I'm working on it, but I recognize that I need to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> and if we We're survive,
1: still, I swear I'll start. <laughs> yeah, right, right.
0: Uh, day, I, you know. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that he's he's grown well, comfortable with it. So after, he's just going to be the, who he is
2: after the, um, after his, his, uh, Wolf 359 speech at the bar, which is quick side note. Another thing that I liked, um, most of the people on this podcast are very steeped in the Star Trek lore and history and episodes. Of Ganae, like, like you acknowledged, you know, so and so from the Enterprise. I have no idea who you're talking about. At all. <laughs> she was the captain. I, well, you said captain, so I figure that. Oh, okay. but I don't no. no idea what you're talking about. Zero
0: idea what you're talking about. She was the red. She was the red <laughs> doesn't statue. Matter. Doesn't matter. That's not the
2: point. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, yeah. That, the
1: the, the red. Matter. The red lady in a couple episodes them. ago. I
2: don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. I'd appreciate it in this episode. Like, like Rick, as you're always saying, uh, I don't want to have to do homework to enjoy the show. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel like I have to do homework to enjoy the show. What I like is that... Uh, I appreciate a reference that I get, but I don't necessarily have to get it. I appreciate a reference that I don't have to get mm-hmm. to enjoy the show. I, I dig where you're coming from with that, yeah. And, the, and, this, and this episode was full of them. Like, you know, I... They threw in one quick line about uh, Far Point Station, which I do know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then they show the space, whatever you call them. space, space jellyfish, space <laughs> squids. Um, so if you knew it, hey, just like that time, yeah, and that's it. They didn't have to go. They didn't have to go to a whole recap. They didn't need to go into a whole recap, uh, and it didn't suffer because they didn't. This 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 episode was. The, the writing was great. The storylines, even within this own within this episode, looped and tied together, as well as looping and tying together storylines that have been set up in the season.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I can't even remember what I was. Oh, right, yeah. I I think I started with. That's what I liked about the episode. Um, was that it answered all of these little? Oh, Shaw. I don't know. You're not gonna you're, you're not gonna be able to swing a uh, dead flirking without me finding something to, to gush about. I'm going to try not to like <laughs> just uh, fanboy all over this uh, podcast but like this episode was great. This of was great. And it, and it wasn't perfect. Um, because there were little things like okay why is there still power in the holodeck? And okay the, the biggest gripe I had actually so I can get it out of the way so you guys can't say that I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> The biggest gripe I had was uh, Beverly had figured out the timing of the contractions way longer, like way before she told anybody about it. I mean, she told Jack, but then like I was like, okay, but this is really pertinent information. You should probably share this with the
0: captain. It was over. O- it was over over twenty minutes of screen time. Yeah. On my was- on my rewatch, I timed it. The first time she mentioned it, I said, okay, we're eleven minutes into the episode, and she already knows that this thing is on a schedule. And yeah. it's another 20 minutes plus before for us before she goes to someone and says, hey, so this thing has been happening for clearly quite some time, and I'm yes. only now letting you know.
2: I could – it's, it's not unforgivable. Like, whatever. Like Clearly this Beverly has issues opening up. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that's what I, I just chalked it up to. She's been working on her own for 20 years.
2: She's not the best at communicating these Yeah. Days. Uh, well, and
1: and that goes back to TNG. I mean, go back to uh, to the the one where she was working with the 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 uh, what was it called? It, with the Ferengi scientist and the and the the um the Klingon scientist and the card and the the, the metaphasic the, shielding. Yeah, and they all were that the, stuff. they were designing oh, yeah, the metaphasic yeah. shield. You know, she got herself fired because she didn't tell anyone what was going on. <laughs> so that's that's not out of character for Beverly.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, and I, and I I chalked it up to. Um, you know, you would need at least three or four times to make sure that your pattern was accurate, but especially if if it was a, a, a contracting timeline, especially if they were getting shorter between these contractions. I was like, okay, but then in the first one, the first time we see her, she's counting down and she nails it. I was like, well, she should, she should have just had her notice. Then, like, huh, that's interesting the first time so that the second time we see okay she's figured it out but it seems like she just has figured this out you know however long ago and just decides to keep it to herself that's yeah that, that's that like was that was weird Complaint, i guess about this episode but it didn't even affect the plot so it's not that big of a complaint
0: yeah the, the things that bothered me in this episode that was one of them i have, I have a few others but most of them are just <clears throat> these seem to be some strange deci- decisions Either on the part of a character or on the part of of the writers, they don't really have a huge impact. But it's it's the little things that I don't know if like a casual viewer would notice it as much as very steeped fans like us, <clears throat> like me. Um, but you know, little things like uh, when Seven is uh, working her investigation, trying to figure out okay who's the changeling and she goes into Shaw's quarters and immediately says so we have a changeling on board and how do you know it's not him it's been established for oh. in in, in yeah. Starfleet it's been established for decades now ways to to suss out a changeling there's there's uh, blood screenings phaser sweeps and that's just the stuff that they had during the war and it's been quite a long time they they should have other countermeasures as well just in case uh, but she just walks in and starts talking to him, with without taking a moment to say, "By the way, could this be Queen's a change?" Queen level in? three. What's that? Queen to Queen's level three. <laughs>
1: right. <clears throat> um, oh. <laughs> I, I that, that's a Tos it, reference. I, I it, wouldn't expect you to.
0: <laughs>
1: in fact, probably most of the people listening are going like, "What did he just say?"
0: I'm with you. Um but you know, little things little decisions like that why would she just go and and blurt that out when the changeling could be anyone That's a fair point um, I I have a big quibble about the changeling plot line I I have got a I've got a couple as well but I I you know uh John and I we've uh, had our turn uh, lately so so now it's moved to you What what do you my, got for the my, for the my, changeling my... angle
1: only problem with this episode, and this goes back, not even just to Picard, this goes back to DS9. I mean, I loved Odo. I loved René Aubergeois's performance. I've always disliked the Changelings because they are as close as Star Trek has ever gotten to a magical character that does not obey any laws of physics. That being said, if we're going to have Changelings in here, Fine. Um, You know, we mentioned, uh, was it the last episode? Anyway, when when Raffi and Odo were interrogating the Changeling, why didn't he just turn into goo and slide away? We kind of hand-waved that off as he didn't want to get discovered. But once he acknowledged he was there, he could have just slurped away. Odo had his bucket because Odo had his bucket. That does not mean that every goddamn changeling in the universe uses a bucket to sleep in. <laughs> Especially that
0: was, one that looks so similar to exactly. Odo's bucket. Yeah. It
1: was right up there with the gravity boots from Star Trek 4, or 6, rather. It was just like, are you effing kidding me? You're going here with this because one changeling had a bucket. All of them have that bucket. All so he great. needs is a Someplace to be a puddle for a few hours.
0: And on that note, most changelings don't need to do that. Odo needed to do that because he was not terribly practiced at being a changeling. And also he was, compared to the rest of the founders, um, quite young. Mm. And he was the first one to admit that he was not a very good changeling. But well, we had we had other changelings who were, uh, you know, masquerading as, uh, you know, humans or other Starfleet officers, for long stretches of time. It was never established that other changelings needed to revert to their liquid state. That was an Odo thing, not an all of them thing. Okay,
2: I will. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna split my chips here. I will <laughs> I'll put some down on the wreck. <laughs> because I agree that there was no reason for the bucket to be the exact same kind of bucket. <laughs> yeah. Um. I was again. The scene could have played the exact same way if she if he, had, you know, he had had an urn up like hidden away in the thing, which I don't like the way he, she she discovered it. But it could have looked like anything, and but then she looks in and sees the residue. Okay, this is it. That would have been fine. Um. But Scott, I will. Uh, defend like, well, they never established this. Well, you could say they're establishing it now. <laughs> this and this, this, this they, they determine, okay, so every changeling um, needs to go back to their molten form, and they did establish, if I remember correctly, that most changeling changelings do stay in their liquid form most of the time, because they're part of the Great Link. These are terrorists, they've left the Great Link, who knows how long since they've been in it, so... So, they uh, need to destabilize uh, from time to time, as Odo did, who hmm. spent most of his time as a solid.
1: And that part didn't bother me. I mean, but you know, there's a sink in his quarters. There's a toilet in his quarters. I
2: mean, he oh, but that, you don't want to go in the sink. It's <laughs> 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 just that ain't sanitary. <laughs> I have a question. What do you guys think of the new um, meteor-looking uh, changeling? I like it. Uh, liquidness.
1: I think it makes more sense. I mean, I understand that, you know, they did what they could with 90 CG for, for sure. DS9. I, I think it's a i i i it's a design choice that I, I agree with. I think it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, I view uh, the way uh, changelings in their liquid form, the way they look now, I'm doing a big comparison to, to Klingons. Why do Klingons look one way in TOS and they looked a whole different way in the movies and TNG? Because now we can do that. If we could have made them look like this in the sixties, we would have done that. It's, it's the same now. If they could have made changelings look like this in the nineties, when they were making DS nine, they would have. And I think this is another reason why someone somewhere should find a way to like crowdsource the money to give to Paramount to go back and remaster DS9 in HD and touch up the the visual effects and replace all of the changeling effects with this. While we're dreaming,
1: can I have a pony?
0: You can have a changeling that looks like a pony.
1: (laughs) 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 Okay, I have a question. This isn't a gripe. I loved the scene. I just apparently had... Okay, well, first of all, let me just... I want to clarify something I meant to say earlier. I purposely did not watch this episode a second time because I have been accused of being a little down on this series, not unjustifiably, (laughs) but I've noticed that going back and thinking about what I've said over the course of the last four episodes, that my problems have always arisen after my second viewing. And that is perhaps not fair because as as an entertainment professional, uh, I have firsthand experienced being too close to something where you've seen it so many times that you can't step back enough and just go, you know, the audience isn't going to notice this because they're only watching it once. and i it's prob it's possibly unfair to judge a show for not standing up to multiple viewings. Now granted, we're in the binge age and stuff like that. but, it is possibly uh, unfair of me to expect a show to stand up to multiple viewings because they're on a time frame, They're on a budget. They need to get this show out and they really need to focus on the peop on what happens your first time through. So I purposely didn't watch this one a second time. Um, I didn't have any pacing issues with this episode. I don't know if there are any pacing issues. I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point. But I wanted to see what would happen if I talked about it without doing that. Um, But there is a a scene in the episode that I thought was really cool. But I apparently don't know what was going on. Or my interpretation of it was different from what other people interpreted. The scene where Vadik communicates with her changeling overseer and cuts her hand off or is it was the chain was the thing in her blood did she cut her hand off was the thing her hand I think Sean thought the thing was her hand because he said what not a glove have done um and I didn't understand what he meant by that and then I read Neek's recap on on super anemic and she was basically under the impression that the thing was her hand my response to that is, well, if it's her hand, why did she need to cut it off and drop it into a walk? I thought that was some sort of communication device. That whole scene just confused the hell out of me.
0: Now that you say that, I'm starting to wonder, okay, was it her hand coming off and, be, and the changeling taking form from the hand? Or uh, was she cutting herself to release the changeling from, like, say, within her? Like, if the changeling is, is traveling her body in liquid form and then she cuts her wrist to let it out and then it goes back inside. It might have been that. I'm going to have to go back and take a closer look to see if it was her hand becoming goo or if it was a changeling coming out of the cut that she was giving herself. Um, I I hadn't really thought of that. I assumed that she was, for some reason, cutting her hand off, but just doing it in, in an
2: odd way. Who just? Um, it sounds like I am. But I just presumed that Vatic was a changeling. And her separation of this part of herself allowed that part of herself. And, I, and I, you know, it, I'm sure it'll make more sense. I'm sure they'll show the thing that makes more sense. Because I agree with you, Rick. It was confusing. I don't know what the deal was. I, I understand that, yes, it was communication. She cut this part off, and she and it was as a means to communicate with her boss or the one giving her orders um I I interpreted that scene as she is a changeling and when she cut that part off it allowed that piece a more direct communication with the great link which is where the, the head honcho was and so he was able to connect to that piece and communicate to her through it um and it wasn't until, like, you know, I can't remember who I saw online. I was like, oh, yeah, so th- it was It was just sitting where her hand should be. I, was like, I didn't think that at all. But, it, uh, okay. But if it was, then why would she have to cut it off? Why wouldn't it just leave?
1: Like, yeah, I, that, that's where, you know, mm-hmm. but what, what Scott is saying, if it's inside her but can't communicate unless it's outside of her, that makes some
2: sense. Okay, but if that's the case, then I'm not poo-pooing your theory, because um, it because we don't know, and we also know that you know Star Trek in general and this show certainly has demonstrated a a, a willingness to play fast and loose with things that make sense <laughs> in order to, you know to sacrifice on the altar of well that was a cool shot. So basically, we're all just waiting for them to say, okay, now what was that? And then they'll explain it, and then it'll be fine, whatever it was, because right. the, scene, the scene was cool.
0: Mm-hmm. It. Yeah it did not occur to me that vatic might be a changeling herself um but again like last week when rick gave his uh his theory of maybe picard get replaced by a changeling and that's a changeling picard at the end of the episode well now i'm going to be wondering the same thing is vatic a changeling or is vatic carrying a changeling and i you know, thinking about it a little bit more, if it is a changeling that is traveling inside of her, that's a great way to smuggle a changeling from place to place, and it, it can remain in liquid form inside her, so it's always ready for, you know, yeah, and, jumping and out can, and doing changing stuff.
2: I was about to say, okay, but well then wouldn't she just have like a gaping hole in her arm? I was like, but yeah, even so, that can fix that. <laughs> they can fix a gaping hole in your arm pretty easily. So yeah, maybe. Yeah,
0: maybe. dermal regenerators make make, you know, cuts and yeah. lacerations and open wounds a non-issue in in yeah. Star Trek. So. That's ask Boimler. See, I can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah.
1: Can um, we talk about the coolest thing in the whole show? Just just from a suite was throwing the asteroid. I'm, I'm, at the...
2: I was going to say, well, can we guess what you're going to say the coolest thing was? <laughs> but fine, yes. That would have been my guess. That's to what you do about the coolest thing. It was it was very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it was neat. I was I was I was wishing that we had gotten a moment like maybe a deleted scene uh uh on on the ready room with with Riker just you know shouting into view screen, my ship is dragging rocks.
1: <laughs> I
3: That'd
0: I would me.
1: be surprised if Frakes has seen Galaxy Quest enough to make that quote. I know he's I, I know they've all I would,
2: seen it, but I'd be surprised it. if he hadn't seen
1: it. I I've, no, I No, I know he's seen it. cuz he he insisted. He told Picard uh, not Picard. He told Stewart to watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was he was one that said, "No, you have to watch have to, this." Yeah. But this I don't think great. he's I <laughs> I wouldn't
1: think he's seen it enough to be able to to quote like that. I'd be I'd be I'd be thrilled if he did, but <laughs> I'd be surprised <laughs> too. Um
2: I had uh a couple of uh notes. Um one was uh about Shaw I <laughs> I don't know if i mentioned it <laughs> but uh yeah uh so he's he's the guest on the ready room uh this week and uh it, it really is it like it's a great conversation and he does in fact confirm because we because we were debating well clearly he, he doesn't like seven like maybe you know the orders came down uh that you got to have this person as your first officer, and he's like, no, he chose her. He he chose her as his first officer because he recognizes um, that he, because of what he's gone through, he is maybe more cautious than he should be, and so he he chose a first officer that is not, not more reckless, but is is that may be um, riskier um, than he would be because he recognizes that that is something that is lacking in himself. Um, he's still gonna be a dick to her <laughs> because he doesn't like that that is the case. And, you know, obviously like there's some, there's some uh, anti work prejudice, um, which again, he recognizes is a dick thing i man, i like. I love Shaw for the same reason I love Crycheck on X Files. Whoa. They, they, they are a <laughs> completely uh, consistent being. <laughs> 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 this is what I am, this is what I do. Like Crychek is the most opportunistic son of a bitch ever. I will betray you. I will, if necessary. <laughs> but until I need to, I won't. If your interests align with mine, I will be the best ally you've ever had. But the second that it doesn't, I will be the worst enemy.
1: <laughs> Watching <laughs> him get his, his arm sawn off was the most satisfying moment of television ever.
2: Right, <laughs> Jack? Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't dare come to tell you that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, so for the past most of you guys. Have uh, have had like well I've had there's there's pacing issues there's pacing issues with episodes, I haven't had any pacing issues with any of the episodes this season. Like when you said like for the first time for like the first or second episode, I was like what are you pacing it no because like there was this cool action thing and that action thing like I'm like like it wasn't you're like yeah nothing really happened I'm like what are you talking about? So I'm wondering now if by pacing issues. You just meant there's too much Raffi. There was there was pacing issues because it cut away from the from the Picard story and went to the Raffi story, and you guys don't really like Raffi that much.
1: No, no. Uh, look, 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 first of all, I love Raffi. I I love the character. It's kind of the stuff that they were making her go through that I didn't yeah. like. But no, that that's that that wasn't my problem. Uh, like in the episode, uh, I, I think I guess it was the second one where they get to the Elios, and they're trying to Mm -hmm. rescue everybody the dialogue between picard and Riker was just stretched out over so many scenes where it could have been you know the 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 third episode and the fourth episode or the second and the third episode could have been one episode and it wouldn't have lost anything it felt like they were drawing it out to fill time while they were like hinting and innuendo and stuff about stuff that we didn't need hinting and innuendo about that that was my problem with it the, the, the stuff with Raffi, I, you know, I had issues with the storyline but not with the pacing of that, that was nice and quick, you know, that was moving right along, it was the stuff between Picard and Riker that dragged that I didn't necessarily notice it the first time through, but watching it the second time I'm like, get on with it which is why I purposely didn't watch this one a second time. to see I would
2: it. I would be i would be curious to, after the season is done, if you do a, if you do a binge of the season I'll I'll be curious if you feel still if it still feels the same way or if it feels like it's dragging because you want to get. I mean obviously I guess it feels like it's dragging because you want to get on with the story but like, once you're not. In the throes of waiting week to week, to see what happens if it feels like it's moving better.
1: That's not an unfair uh, question, because thinking back on, uh, I was I was watching uh, TNG with Sharon for a little while. I actually had her attention long enough to watch a few episodes. (laughs) Um, And this during this was during the the lockdown. So we were both, you know, bored as hell. And I got her to watch a few episodes of TNG with me. And that's when I realized, wow, there's a lot of sitting around a table talking in this show.
2: Yeah, and that's why that, that's why I was confused. <laughs> like, They're just talking. There's so much going on. I'm like, I thought you guys watched TNG. There's like 80% talking on that show, and then something happens at the end. That's, <laughs> that's most episodes of TNG. And, you
1: know, I hadn't actually put those two things together until right this second. So, yeah, I, maybe <laughs> I will go back and, and binge the series or the season after it's done and see if I still have that problem
0: yeah i'm I'm gonna be interested to see how I react to it as well um, I know that uh, last week's episode this week's episode um, were a lot easier to take because what was happening even if it wasn't you know action packed it was presented and performed and written so well that I wasn't really noticing but after the episode is done and then I look back at you know what have I just seen and and I look back at the season that we've gotten so far, four episodes in. And I'm like, they they just now got out of this nebula. The nebula that they got to in the first episode. And that's not to say that the season is dragging. I'm just surprised that we're fully four episodes in. We still haven't seen Jordy. Uh, we saw Worf for just for, uh, for re- really one episode. He showed up at the at the end of episode two, and he gave one line. But we really saw him for one episode. They're really taking their time bringing the crew together in this season that was uh, marketed as "Hey, everyone's coming back," but See, we're I, not I, telling you when. And I'm not, yeah, saying that, I'm not saying that's a problem. I'm just surprised that they are taking this much time to tell the story that they have chosen to tell this season.
2: I figure it will be, you know, the next to last episode is when everyone will be, you know, the band will be back together. Hmm. And the last episode, maybe not even the whole last episode, um, you know, everyone will be doing their thing. Um, to to you know save the universe or whatever. I, I yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm 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 I am fine with how they're doing it. Um, I I think I go in with and not just because I come in literally knowing less. I think, mm-hmm. I think I go in I think I come in with, with fewer or not even necessarily lower but fewer expectations. Uh, than you guys because part of it is because I don't watch the trailers or the spoilers or whatever like I know that I know the TNG cast is coming back um and that's largely it um so I'm not necessarily waiting for stuff to happen or show up the same way that you guys probably are too
1: yeah there's there's one other character they, they te- I'm, if you don't know it I, I'm not going to say it so so I don't want to spoil um that at this point I'm like how are they gonna work that in um, but you know we'll see um, I would I would can we can we talk about Jack and and Picard for a bit
0: yes I that, that was a scene that I was gonna make sure to, to mention to uh, get us discussing that <clears throat> um, just overall the we'll say the collection of scenes that took place in ten forward we put them all together and we'll call that the Picard Jack section of the episode what do you got
1: well i, I first of all i loved how we had the we had the flashback and i know i've griped in the past about you know two weeks ago if you i know but this this flashback was fine because it wasn't part of it wasn't like oh wow this is how they got to this really you know bizarre situation. We'll show you, you know, this was just a, this was literally a flashback. Um, and Picard's sitting there trying to have lunch and a whole trying. bunch of cadets trying, yeah, oh, trying a whole shit. bunch of cadets or whatever. I don't know if they're cadets or, but they come up and they're like, will you tell us stories? Oh, no, I don't like to tell stories. Trickies. Oh, please. Well, okay. No shit. There I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they all looked like junior officers who don't know how to take a goddamn hint is what they yeah. looked like.
2: Well, he didn't shoo them away effectively. Like he's like, no, 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 please. Yes, yeah please. no no please no please yes, so yes. ask it again
0: ask it again. No, I'm I'm, I'm I'm not really one for telling stories well could you tell us a story
2: well, okay i'll, all right. I'll tell you, you i'll tell you a story
0: arm. and after, um, after after the story here's a nice uh, inspirational thing about about your crews and how they're going to be important and they're gonna get you through tough times okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have my lunch oh could you tell us another story Okay, I will immediately start this other story, and I will tell you this one. And now, if you'll excuse me, I believe my haddock is getting cold, which is code for my lunch got stone cold a half hour ago while I've been sitting here talking to you. And without missing a beat, that female junior officer, just just heedless of what he said, completely ignoring it, and said, but how about this completely other thing that we weren't even talking about before? I want to ask you about that. That's where it started to bug me. Although I will say, and and Rick, I'll I'll send it back to you in just a second. But I was really anticipating when they cut back to that flashback, and Picard is talking about uh, uh, Darmok, with him and um, and Captain uh, Dathan. Da- Captain Dathan. I w- he's telling that story, and I was really expecting that when they cut back to the junior officers, they're all just going to look incredibly bored and ready. That's what I was expecting too.
1: <laughs> But they were they were all digging it, which I thought was was funny because they didn't go for the obvious joke mm. of, well, I don't want to talk about it, but here I'll talk for an hour and a half about it, and they're all like, oh, can we go now? Um, now the the now that that was fun. I, I enjoyed that, especially because I have been in similar situations with my students, and all of all of my students know getting me off on a tangent is not difficult at all.
2: <laughs> I am all that teacher. All of our teacher. listeners know too. <laughs> that was honestly, Rick that wasn't but so I, much bigger keep... of you as as trying to make uh, Scott do a spin take yeah,
1: no, I, and, But I can't argue, <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> I'm at least self-aware enough to, <laughs> to know that but anyway um, when when Picard and Jack go into Ten Forward I was so glad that they didn't do some kind of mushy you know, it's all better because we're about to die. God, I was hoping they wouldn't have them hug or anything like that, like that awkward hug in Star Trek and Wrath of Khan. Um, but the scene—the scene that just really blokes, sold
2: it for me—just two blokes sharing a pint.
1: Yeah, the scene that really sold it for me was the other flashback where Jack was in the was in ten forward. And he now granted this was a absolute ambush of Picard and was totally unfair, because Picard didn't know who he was and didn't know that there was anyone to know who he was. Um, when Jack was like, "So, Admiral, you know, what do you think of family, and or have you ever had a real family, or whatever, whatever he he said, whatever the line was," and Picard was on, he was on stage, he was performing for the for the his audience. He's like, Starfleet's always been the family I've needed, and then Jack was like, "All right, I'm out." Um, when I first saw it, I was like, I was uncomfortable with it. I didn't have a I didn't have a solid opinion of it, but it was unco- I was uncomfortable with it. And the more I thought about it, and the more I realized it was unfair to Picard. But we're supposed to, I mean, first of all, we're supposed to believe Jack is 23. <laughs> um, that's one of the hardest <laughs> Well, they did de-aging the on him, too.
2: The de-aging the, the on him in that scene looked pretty good.
1: Uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't bad. Um, but, I mean, it was totally an ambush. And it was unfair. But thinking about, you know, I guess what he was he supposed to be, like, 17 or 18 or something like that. That is not beyond the pale of someone that young
2: in that situation to do. I didn't consider it an ambush at all. I think that is exactly how that would play out. Because you're not going to be like, hey, I know you don't know about me, but I'm your long-lost kid. Like, no, you're going to test the waters a little bit. So you talked all about Starfleet. What is about real, like, a family a little bit, maybe? What do you think? He He didn't know. Because... You are terrified, and I haven't mm-hmm. been in the situation, but I can imagine that y- you are terrified, and you're going to put yourself out there as little as possible, and that's that's what he did. He's like, okay, well, just first of all, like, what even do you think about the idea of having a family? And Picard, like you said, Picard is on, but as we learned even in season one, that's kind of how he is. He's not good at like opening up, yeah, about him. so he's not no, and and so yeah, so he was he was in um, you know, Elder Statesman mode and so you gave the you know, the propaganda answer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. If he had uh, said I, to I, Go ahead. I was no, I was gonna say I I I think um yeah, I don't I don't I didn't consider it an ambush at all. I think it was a realistic quote unquote portrayal of exactly how that could happen if there's a kid that if there is a man who didn't know he had a son and a son who didn't know how his father would react to having a kid, it seemed, it seemed very, uh, it, it tracked for me. And,
1: and, mm-hmm. and that, and uh, let,
2: let me, let me, I, and, I agree and I should and I, I should say it tracked and it did not seem, um, unfair. To me, like on anyone's part, it, it was, I, yeah, it was just I, an unfortunate circumstance.
1: Yeah, let, let, let me clarify what I'm what I what I meant by that because I agree with you. I think it was a beautifully written scene, and it happened exactly as it should have. In retrospect, I could see Picard going, "Oh, that was you. That was not <laughs> that was not cool." Um, but it's exactly how it should have gone down. How it it, it went down exactly as it would have.
2: Do you think in that cuz they cuz they did that flashback and then they cut back to them on the bridge? Do you think that Picard remembered and no, recognized him? Not at all. The way the way Stewart played it, it could have gone either way. I think I think he could have. I he could have.
1: I was waiting to see if they were going to commit one way or the other and they didn't, which I thought also was impressive. Yeah. Cuz Picard is hedging his bets. He's he's like if he remembers then he has to own what he said and explain it. If he doesn't admit he remembers, which he may—I mean, that was such a minor moment—he may, right. you know, he may have completely forgotten about it.
2: One of the hundreds of times cadets came up and yeah. asked him about this story at this time of that story.
1: And then some dude at the bar threw a question at him, and and you know it would just go, you know, so it could have gone either way. I kind of like the Schrodinger effect of it—that they didn't commit to either way.
2: Let me ask you one more. One more thing. (laughs) Now that's a... Never mind. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, Was that a memory that someone was actively having, or was that just for the benefit of the audience?
1: That's a good question. I think that was a memory Jack was having. I think Jack was remembering, because that would have been a pivotal moment for him, and a maybe he'll remember it, maybe he won't Moment for Picard. Because Picard didn't know Jack. And so that was just some stranger throwing another question at him. Some civilian stranger throwing another question at him. Whereas for Jack, it was this is the answer to why I didn't approach you. Let, 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 me, you let know, me put it this way. Oh, um, sorry, sorry. When I was in high school, I was madly in love with a girl. I'm not going to say it was a crush. I, she, she's still a very dear friend. She married a dear friend of mine. Part of me is still in love with her. So, this was not just some schoolboy crush. Uh, and there was a minute that, and I've talked to her about it since, uh, where I farted in front of her. I was goofing around, swinging from a pole or something, you know, and I farted and I was mortified. And I immediately ran away and hid. And I was like, I can never show my face in public again. I'm the worst human being on earth because I was 16, 17, whatever it was, uh, you know. And everything is is important. And then, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, Did you even notice? She's like, No, <laughs> she had no <laughs> idea. <it happened. laughs> so, you know, our 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 our, our, uh, our subjective realities can be vastly different. And the, and I think that was a very Rashomon moment, where a a life changing moment for Jack Crusher was a not even noticed moment to Jean Luc Picard.
2: Yeah, I was I was only half joking when I when I call them Trekkies, but that like that is a very meta moment. I'm sure like um, here's the moment that I met you know Patrick Stewart. Okay, well. That's great for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About your story, it meets a billion views a day.
1: Yeah, exactly. And well, sure I have the many... same thing with my students. I'm like, I run into, run into people at at school all the time. I'm like, hey, Rick, how's it going? I'm like, I've gotten really good at pretending I know who the hell I'm talking to because you know they meet me for an entire semester. They are one of hundreds of students I see every year, and unless there's some reason for them to to stand out, they're just like. I think I recognize you, but I'm not going to say that unless there's a, unless they give me a, sometimes I'm like, I, there was, Oh, last year there was like a student in my class who had been on the lighting crew for a show. I did the lights for a couple of years prior and I had no idea. And, and, and he's like, Oh yeah, I was, I was on the light crew for, for this show. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry
2: sorry Scott we've been cutting you off
0: for like I'm
1: sorry Yeah, I babble I I apologize
0: I was just trying to shoot my shot like the the three different chances I I saw to uh, make a crack about Jack showing up at the bar in a trucker's hat oh yeah
2: the the international sign for I'm in disguise
0: (laughs) 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 A, a trucker hat that matches his jacket by the way um I don't know. as far as that whole scene goes um you know did was Picard remembering him by the end of the episode or was he not I tend to think based on how Stuart was playing it uh, in in his face, I think it was dawning on him as we were seeing that last bit it It was a memory for Jack that we were seeing throughout the episode but when we got to the end yeah I, I think Picard was realizing oh wait that was that was you. I asked you if you had ever been here, and on second viewing, I noticed what I thought was off about Jack's answer when he said, he said I haven't, no. no that was a... he He put just enough in there that I kind of missed it the first time, but second time around, I'm like, oh, you, you're a liar. You haven't been yeah. here, obviously. Um, so I think Picard was rem- remembering him as far as uh, the question itself and Jack's reaction to it was in an ambush or not. I, for a second, I felt like it was kind of an ambush, but then uh, on reflection, uh, not, not really. He was showing up and like you said, he was testing the waters, trying to gauge reaction. I think that how he reacted to the answer he got was a little bit, uh, uh, was a a little much a little extreme because it's not like Picard had said Starfleet is the only family I ever wanted. It's the only family I've ever needed. It's been, it it has been sufficient for me, but he didn't say, and, and it's, I I never wanted anything else besides them or thank God I didn't have any kids because it would have ruined my Starfleet family. He didn't (laughs) say anything like that, but I, I put it down in my notes as, um, the only family he ever needed. So obviously he knows I'm his son and he doesn't need me around, so screw him.
2: Well, but that is how you would take it if you were a teenager and you're you're pinning all of your hopes on this answer. And it's one of the... And, and for whatever, you know, if we are to believe that what Beverly told uh, Picard in the... Uh, in Sick Bay was some version of what she's been telling Jack as he was growing up well, so where's my dad who's my dad what's going on with my dad? Well you know your dad doesn't he's not he's not the most family oriented he's a good person but you know and you know the the story that she that she told so I suspect he was already primed for a some an answer like that. So anything that fit somewhere in the Venn diagram was a circle for him.
1: You know what that reminded me of? Um, I I was dating a young lady many years ago, long before I got married, who was very adamant that if I ever fell in love with her, she would leave. And of course I fell in love with her. But she kept saying, you know, if you say you love me, I'll be out of here. And she made it very clear until I was like, all right, well, I'm now seeing this other person. And then she's like, but I love you. And I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do here? Um, I think that, you know, that was, you know, this situ- it reminded me of this situation here. I don't want children. I don't want a family. I don't want to feel like I have a kid. Well, you never gave me a chance. I can see where Beverly was coming from with that. Yeah. Because she did what he said he wanted. And then he's like, well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> well, he
2: did mean it, but. You know, and this is maybe the best. I didn't dislike season three. <laughs> <laughs> but arguably the best thing to come out of season three was him. Setting his demons to rest, and he was like, and and yeah, I loved that scene so much with the two of them talking. And he's like, uh, "I know now that I never could have been that man, but I could have found that out twenty years ago."
0: Like, mm-hmm. oh man, goosebumps, goosebumps! Can you see goosebumps? Yep. <laughs> so that that, w- that was one of my favorite moments of that scene. Um, I think that got the the strongest reaction out of me, and and partially because it was the writers being being smart and they're taking us back to season 2 and saying of all the things that happened in season 2 many of which were ridiculous one of the things that happened was he faced he he faced his demons in the form of the the memories of his father and and and, and his mother but uh the 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 troubled relationship he had with with both of his parents And how that informed the decisions that he made throughout the following decades of his life, as far as whether or not to have a family of his own. And now we're in, get to the third episode of, of this season. And he's referring back to that, making it clear that Beverly knew that Mm -hmm. knew about the history that, that he had with his father and, and to say, without specifying my last adventure with Q several months ago, I learned that I won't be like my dad, but I could have learned that a long time ago. If you had done things just a little bit differently, I, that, that got a reaction for me as well. I, I, I was struck by that moment in that conversation. And,
2: uh, I realized I said season three, I meant season two, hmm. um, <laughs>
1: do we want to talk about the, the, uh, Riker Deanna dynamic here a bit? Sure.
0: Um, I've, uh, that too, I've got some stuff about, about Riker that I, that I wanted to mention.
1: Well, I, I loved how he mentioned that, you know, Deanna feels everything. Cause, cause, cause we, mm-hmm. you know, we, they established at the beginning of the season that there was some problem at home. Um, and, you know, they finally he, he finally told it to Jean-Luc that Deanna feels everything. And since the death of his son, Rikers kind of walled off his his emotions and she couldn't cope with him not feeling anything. And so they that caused friction between them. I really like that line, too. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it, it, it may or may not warrant a whole lot of discussion. I just I was impressed with it. Because it was, there were so many tropey ways they could have had Riker Deanna having problems, but this was a very specific, unique way that that couple could have a problem, and it was totally in the in the 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 universe of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I really appreciated that they, you know, a lot of their callbacks and and fan service over the last four episodes have been very overt have been very obvious. I've loved them. I'm, you know, as, as I've said many times, I enjoy being pandered to that was very subtle for this series and for Star Trek in general. And I really enjoyed the the cleverness of it. The act, you know, we try to avoid the term lazy writing, but we've all heard tons of fanboys bitching about quote-unquote lazy writing. And we have, on occasion, used that term here ourselves. Um, I think this was the exact opposite of that. I think this was a brilliant monkey wrench to throw into the, the uh, uh, Riker-Deanna relationship that wasn't obvious. And I, and I really liked it.
0: Mm-hmm. It it took me a little bit by surprise, largely because um, it was it was not something that and granted, I haven't watched it since it originally aired uh, the first season of of Picard. Uh, we saw Riker there a little bit and thinking back on it, they weren't giving us a lot of you know indications of him feeling this way or or not feeling as the case may be. Um, I assume that when they were writing season one and they were writing uh, Nepenthe, and, excuse me, I think he shows up in the, the season finale for that for that one scene where he arrives with the fleet. Uh, but when they were writing those episodes, they didn't know that they were going to be doing this with his character in season three. Uh, they, but- from from what I recall, they indicated
2: that it was... Well, I mean, obviously it was hard for them, but they indicated that there were some lingering effects. Like, I I definitely got that sense at the time as I was watching it, that um, this caused a scar in their relationship. And to to the degree that it had been healed over or or repaired was, I guess, open to interpretation. But I definitely saw that it again as you would expect that you know there would be hurt but also there was damage done to their relationship because
0: of it mm-hmm. i'm certain that i'm hamstrung by the fact that i think back to Nepenthe, and what i remember the most in regards to Riker is one i liked how he immediately snapped into action when he found out that romulans were chasing him so he you know he put up the house's defenses and he yeah. uh you know, started the sensors running. That was cool. The only other thing I remember about Riker from that episode is making pizza. Yeah. You get one slice of pizza. Guess get two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bunny, bunny corn pizza, but also, yeah. And, and I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it, John Deanna was on edge that whole episode. She was like, I love you. Jean Luc. I'm glad to see you. What the fuck is up? You know, there was, there there was an edge to her that at, you know at, at the time, I just kind of chalked up to, okay, if he's showing up now after so long, this there's there's trouble uh, but that you know it it, I'm not sure that we can say the writers didn't know this is where they wanted to go eventually. You know, they may have no, may not have known what C and D were, but they may have known where they wanted, you know, A and F to be for uh, Deanna and Will, mm-hmm. or maybe Metalis did, or or um, you know, not necessarily the writers, but you know, maybe uh, Metalis or uh, or even Shaban. Um, no, who's who's the showrunner? I'm I'm blanking on his name. The
0: um the the overall like honcho of, yeah. of Star Trek. That's Alex Kurtzman.
1: Kurtzman, thank you. Um, you know, there there may have been a. We want to show this in the in the 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 Rikers relationship. Um Get it there, however, you know, I, I I don't know. I I have there has been no hint of it, so I may just be making stuff up out of out of nothing. But I think I need Nick here to tell me to shut up. <laughs>
3: yeah. really shut, up Rick. shut
0: up, right? Shut up if they planted these seeds in season one, and they're paying them off now, then kudos to them. Yeah, I I probably should not have mentioned how and why this development took me by surprise without having gone back and at least rewatched that episode to, to get the background. No shame in it.
2: No. That is how I remember it. And, like, mm. we'll, you know, But also couldn't tell
0: you what anyone was
2: wearing, so we'd notice different
0: things. <laughs> <laughs> Riker was wearing an apron for sure. That much I remember. Um, uh, I
2: like but- I like the little they, they dropped in. Um, you know, oh, this episode was so good, and, and just and just things like that. Oh, by the way, she's an empath. Oh, by the way, um, Sean was an old school mechanic. Uh, oh, by the way, um, you know seven it's got the Fenris reindeer training and like all these little things that they don't make a big deal of, but knit together to make this wonderful, wonderful episode.
0: Mm -hmm. It, I think what we're seeing in, especially in the, uh, the higher quality and tightness of the writing this season is, uh, the benefit of having written this entire season well in advance. They had the entire season written before they started rolling cameras uh, on anything for this season. Because when, uh, when the pandemic started and everything went into lockdown, I, I remember reading that the, the production staff for Picard took advantage of that time. And they said, well, if we're not going to be in production because everything's on the lockdown, we're going to write all this stuff out. We're going to take this time to plan more than than one would normally plan for for a, t- a season of television. So we're going to be better prepared with the scripts and the story. Which maybe wasn't exactly on the best display in season two because I think that it had some some story issues. But it's definitely paying off here. Because they had plenty of time to get these scripts exactly where they wanted them. And, and I, I think it's really starting to show. Yeah, I'm, I am,
2: you know, from, from episode one with the, they just show the title of the episode. Like there's no, again, no three minute intro sequence, you know, and the, the closing credits are like the end of a movie. I'm like, okay, they, they're swinging for the fences on this one. Mm. And they, and they know not only is this the last season of car, but very likely well, I don't know about very likely. In all likelihood, it is the last time this crew is going to get together as this crew, and everyone wants to honor that, in you know, with something they can be proud of. So I'm, I'm yeah. So far, again, you never know till you know. You know, we'll see if they stick the landing. But I, you know, the my estimation of where this is going is is uh, is. Uh, I was about to make up a phrase, it's, it's all fireworks and kittens, that's not a thing. <laughs> no one's ever said that, That and it sounds horrific, actually. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, I, I, I'm loving the season, and I am slowly gaining more and more confidence that it's going to go out on a spectacularly high note.
0: Yeah, I'm- I agree. I, I'm I'm quite optimistic, uh, e- even though there are. It, there's always going to be a few things that I that I don't necessarily love. Some of them are going to be like the the small little details, like um, uh, we see a changeling die in this episode, and when it dies, it does a little like you know, wibble wobble of of goo, but then settles in the form of a dead ensign the forge with yeah. with strange dead changeling eyes. When it's been, this is the nerdy me talking. It's it's been established in previous Star Trek that when changelings die, they turn to dust.
2: Yeah,
1: I thought it did. Again, I I only watched
2: it the first I think, time. I think time. I think because, it I thought it. Basically, I thought it turned to dusk in her form because the whole thing turned gray. I figured it just turned to dust, but it didn't like blow away. But but like if you were to tap it, it would crumble. That's that was how I saw it. Uh,
0: uh, Maybe so. I it we've seen it we we've seen it before where where the changing will convert to liquid form and then from liquid it will like kind of dry up and 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 crumble to crumble to dust. Well, like when Mirror Odo got phasered, it exploded. Uh, Yeah. Again, that's (laughs) good. They they, (laughs) good times. Yeah. yeah, they <laughs> they they change how they're going to do it based on on what they want. I, yeah, I, was, I just didn't I didn't, was, I was I say, didn't yeah, understand I, this, I didn't understand why the changeling ended up in 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 human form. But that's, I would put that, that's I one would the put small. That in, I
2: would put that in the same category as why does it look like meat now? Like, like they just, they changed you know. It's it, I would say that is that is the equivalent level of that change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fine. It's a little bit different, but it's the same effect.
0: Look, looking like meat. I actually. That, that occurred to me as well I, when I was seeing the, the the way that new changelings look. I was like, if you if you were to take a marbled raw steak and then imagine that in liquid form, that's that's these new changelings. That yeah, that's exactly now, what I see. Good. It's, good I will it's admit very
2: that, it's very eighties trauma movie special. <laughs> <laughs> I I will admit that I was
1: a bit surprised to see a healthy changeling look like that. I thought that. You know, the one we saw with Worf and and Raffi was, you know, it was essentially dying, and that's why it looked like that. But now we're seeing that's what they look like now, and that's fine.
2: That is the new effect. Yeah. Because he wasn't, like, when he, the one with um, Worf and Raffi, he wasn't injured. He just couldn't hold his shape. So that was, you know, because when Odo was in that state, when Odo was in that state he just turned to the to the golden goo. Oh, well, he was all uh, flaky
1: and desiccated. Well, yeah when, yeah, when he was
2: trying to hold himself together. But once no, he, he released into his, his liquid form, he was just his regular liquid form.
0: Yeah. Odo was flaky and desiccated when he was being prevented from reverting to his liquid form. If he was tired and trying to hold his shape but not being able to, that's when he starts to get drippy.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. But, again, that's that's 90s rules. You throw all those out and you come with the new rules when you got you know a, a new era of television making which is what's happening now. But those are the small issues that I have with the episode. Some of the some of the bigger ones again not even really really huge, but it's less of the nitpicky stuff and more of the I don't know why they're taking this route. Um like to see Riker come up with so many different excuses and reasons for why we can't try this, you know, Last resort, uh, yeah. desperate measures, move to try to survive, and he even says we can we cannot choose certain death. Dude, you are yeah. choosing certain death if you don't I, do yeah. anything. You got to try something. So for Riker to be so opposed to the idea of trying to save their lives rather than sit and die quietly, it confused me. Yeah, that's I'm right. glad that they convinced him and they they wrote the scene decently for for them. You know, here's our reasons, and here's the explanation, and we're going to change your mind, and it worked, and he changed his mind, and he decided, okay, let's try to save the ship. I didn't know why he needed convincing. This is the Riker who, in TNG, said, "Given the choice between Slim and None, I'll take Slim any day." And now he's, he's like
1: seventy-eight years old now, and, uh...
0: and he and he, he acknowledged um, in this
2: in this episode that he he's like, "Yeah, you were right, Picard. Like, I am." I have grown more fearful, but that does not outweigh your points, Scott. Okay, this is definitely going to end in death if we don't try anything. Well, why would we not? Like, worst case scenario, it'll be quicker.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> at at the risk of using a tired Star Trek trope, Riker may have never faced a Kobayashi Maru. He's always been he's he's always been in the best ship and yeah, he's faced death he's faced, you know, all hands abandoned ship or you know, warp core breaches and stuff like that um, but I think this is a Riker who has had uh, who's who's basically had the wind taken out of his sails and he's... Mm and he's run out of excuses and realizes he doesn't want to die. Uh,
2: yes. Um, I, I, I. Yeah, I, I did find it not necessarily out of character, but situationally out of character because it's like, again, if not this, then what are you going to do? Yeah. No one's coming to rescue you. Like, that. that's not... A realistic thing. Um, I mean, yeah, like you're 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 recording your your you know, your final message to your loved one like an hour ago. Like you're not hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought I thought that same thing. But um, also, it, like like you said, Scott, it wasn't. Um, they, they fixed it quickly enough. Yeah, to, to make it okay, they
0: they did turn around. That that's that's what really helped out the scene for me. It just it it felt weird. It sounded weird for for Riker to not be completely on board with let's save our lives from the start. And I think it's just because we're we're not used to seeing this, or I'm not used to seeing this Riker. I'm comparing him to TNG Riker. He would have been on board immediately, but. Times change, and
1: but how many how many times in TNG or in TOS in in early series were like time to self destruct? Yay! <laughs> you know? yeah. I've been looking forward to this, you know, and now it's like now, now we're 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 seeing people who are, are conflicted about what to do, and I yeah, I, and, I I enjoyed that,
2: and and it's also we've seen Riker as first officer here; he's the captain, you know, so. So the the roles are, you know, quite literally reversed. Where Riker's like, "Okay, we should try this thing. We should do this thing. Why wouldn't you try it?" And, and Picard's like, "Okay, hang on a second. Now let's consider all the options." And now, and now it's Riker doing it to Picard. Yeah,
1: I I didn't I find don't... any anything in this episode to be out of character.
3: No. Mm-hmm.
0: I I I should specify not so much out of character, but just. uh it's in character for who these people are now decades later and I don't always do the best job of taking that into account when I'm watching the new stuff because I'm so familiar with the old stuff it's hard for me to build in that you know multiple decades that have passed since last time we saw but I think it's an indication of a lot of what we've been discussing in this episode and that this episode was really good in that we've been talking for this long and I feel like there's still a lot more stuff that could be uh, pulled apart and, and examined. But we're not going to do that because we've come to the end of the show. Um, just to, to give it one tag, the, the last thing we see in the episode is yet again, Jack is seeing some weird red creepers on the wall behind him and then there's visions of like red skies and some red door that's opening up and we don't know what it means. They don't give us any better indication of what it means uh, since last time we saw it it's still a big mystery and the only thing that I have to say about that is if the show really wants to shock me then before the title sequence of season 5 have Jack go to someone and say I'm having some weird visions
1: season 5
0: <sighs> episode 5 episode five. Okay. <laughs> before you get to the title sequence next week have Jack go and tell someone this is happening
1: that's not going to
0: happen. That it's not going to happen because this is one of the it, yet another television trope well, that I'm tired of, which is someone is having visions, really weird visions that absolutely definitely mean something. But I'm going to keep it to myself. Okay. Yes and.
3: <laughs>
0: A.
2: We don't know what these visions mean to Jack. We don't know what he knows that we don't know that might have, make this have meaning for him. He might know exactly what this means, and he's running from it. I don't think that's the case, but it could be. And B, we've established that Jack does not like to ask for help. So while, yeah, it is a thing that happens on TV, and it's certainly a thing that happens on Star Trek, in this particular case, it is the thing that would happen. Because Jack does not like to ask for help. Yeah. He doesn't want to be a boss.
1: <laughs> I, I know we're, we need we need to wrap this up. Um, just something to put out there. We don't need to discuss it because I'm not even sure I believe it. I'm almost waiting for us to find out that Jack really isn't Picard's son, or maybe not even Beverly's son.
2: Yeah, that was. In as much as I have a running theory, I guess that's my running theory that he's because. Clearly, the people who want him back are the changelings for whatever reason. So could it be that he's somehow a changeling and doesn't know? I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. If they could. So, I mean, it's Star Trek. They can make anything make sense, I suppose. Yeah. But like. Or they don't
1: care if it does or
2: not. Or they don't care. <laughs> but that would be. I could I could I could see it if Picard thought he had a sign that he didn't have. Obviously, since it's happened a couple of times. But like, no, Bear, I feel like Beverly would know. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, she, but, she would have clear memories of the experience. She would know, but
1: she, may, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Was, she may be complicit in this. She may have not oh, born him, the, but has taken him one. in as her son. And there's something Manny. else going on. I, I don't i don't know. There Obviously, there's something we don't know yet. And I'm, my brain am, is chewing on it. But.
2: I am. Like I said, I'm, I am more and more giving them rope. I am, I am putting more of my, more and more of my trust in their hands, to, <laughs> to, uh, to bring this in for a solid landing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, we'll see. Ha- having much, much like much like Jack himself, I will tentatively ask the question and hope <laughs> for the best. <laughs> but now, we'll see.
0: Having discussed the possibility earlier in this episode that Vadic might be carrying a changeling within her that she released at, upon cutting her arm I'm wondering if perhaps Jack is carrying a changeling that he is unaware of mm, and perhaps that's, that's what's causing these visions and that's why changelings will want to go after him to retrieve the changeling that is hiding within Jack
2: who, <laughs> who like Odo when he was discovered doesn't even know that it's a thing yeah, doesn't even know that it's a life form. It's just a thing. That's yeah, exciting.
0: and and th- this this is an idea that that came to me like within the last five minutes. Not that Jack is a changeling. I think that would be, uh, uh, Bullshit. I, I, yeah, yeah. I I think that would be lame for them to say, oh, by the way, he's not either of your sons. He's a changeling. He's been changing this whole time. I think it would uh, be more uh, interesting and more engaging if he were carrying a changeling that was just hitching a ride in in his body.
2: I like that. Yeah.
0: We'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, But that and much more we will find out as the season goes on, but for now we are going to wrap it up. Uh, Super quick. uh, Pitch, plug and other things. Rick, go.
1: Get your flu shots. Flu is back and it sucks. Get a flu shot. Also, uh, listen to uh, this show and Captain Game Show.
0: Excellent. I think someone else might have something to say about Captain Game Show. Could it be John?
2: Yeah, what Rick said. Listen to this show and Captain Game Show. And really all the shows on the network. They're all pretty good.
0: Yeah. Um, as for myself, it's it's all the same. Listen to this show and listen to Captain Game Show and listen to uh, Cosmic Potato, uh, which is currently running the, uh, uh, the special edition series Infinite Retrocast, where we cover Sliders, classic sci-fi series from the 90s. Um, Slider, Sliders But if classic. You, uh, <laughs> classic classic 90s, you Classic Classic 90s <laughs> Yeah see I I put in the caveat That's um, Uh And outside of audio stuff you can see Some of the graphic artwork that I do uh, On the side at www.planetrisecreative.com uh, Got a lot of graphic artwork uh, Posted on that site And I also take work on commission And did I mention that I'm unemployed? Not since last week, but uh, I'm mentioning it again. If anyone needs needs uh, some graphic artwork, come let me know. Other than that, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening and join us next week. Back here on this show where we will be discussing episode five, which I, I don't have the title, um, but I'm sure it has a title. And next week, tune in and you'll find out what it is. Until then, <laughs> thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.
1: LLAP. Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast.